Hello, everybody. I just want you to be aware I will be at Falls View Casino in Niagara Falls on February 7th, a Saturday night. Go to fallsviewcasinoandresort.com, find out the information, and you better show up. Because if you don't, you may find a horse's head in your bed. Speak softly loud, so no one hears us but the sky. The vows of love we made, we live on till we die. My life is yours, and I'll be cold. You came into my world. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Just in case you forgot who we were and who we are. Still. Still. Not changing our names at all. We're very proud of them. Pat Picciarelli, my partner in crime. How you doing? How you doing, guys? And our millennium young star, Megan, (laughs) back from Berlin. Yes. You have to tell us some of that stuff. Yes, I am. And yours truly, Gianni Russo. uh, And I'm still senile enough to remember my name. So that's good. We should have a good show. And Happy New Year 2020. Yes, we're very much into the new year now. Oh, yeah. Not enough. 12 days. I love it. (laughs) Perfect. Well, tonight's subjects, which we always come up with the best, this happens to be a delicate subject because Pat Picciarelli, indirectly, directly, family members and whatever, were all involved. Something I will share with you on the air while we start talking about it. uh, Well, let's just get into the show. We'll do it. All right. Let's do it. Please. Pat, tell tell okay. us tell us what the uh, subject matter is. Uh, funny you should ask. Okay, this evening we're going to be talking about Gregory Scarpa, who uh, you know we've been doing. What are we into? About the fifty episodes at least. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. At, at fifty episodes. Hey, happy anniversary to us. Oh yeah. yeah right. Anyway, uh, we've talked about uh, several uh, wise guys, gangsters, whatever you want to call them, who we can easily call psychopaths. I and mean, we talk about Albert Anastasia, all the rest of these people who like to kill. But as far as I, I can see, and I have uh, extensive time uh, researching organized crime, Gregory Scarpa, I think, is the most brutal, twisted person in the mafia that I have ever come across. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, and, and you, Johnny, you, what do you think? Well, I think, I mean, like you, I mean, you were on the job and I was on the other side of it. And, uh, there are, are so many psychopaths, but like his his reign, well, I think was the longest because he went yeah, through partic- a lot of different eras. Yeah, and particularly toward the end, when he knew he was dying, and we'll get into that, of course, uh, uh, chronologically. He just didn't give a damn. I, don't I mean, he just was out killing everybody. Well, they they, they they credited him for 120 murders that they know about. Oh my god, the FBI. Yeah, but that doesn't make him a bad person. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think the only person who could say that, or maybe beat him, is Eichmann or Hitler, one of those yeah, guys. There you go. Yeah, right. yeah, you, and you, you have to add those up, I think. Yeah, well. But anyway, uh, let's. Uh, I'll start with his early life, and then we'll uh, talk about uh, how infamous this guy was. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Brooklyn, uh, as a lot of these guys are in, in the uh, Bensonhurst area. Well, that's uh, how he got into the Colombo a- stuff, yeah. Yeah, real hardworking guy. His father was a real hardworking guy. Uh, worked hauling coal. Uh, and uh, young Greg uh, dropped out of school at seven years old. I guess he said enough was enough. Seven. And he, That's it. Seven, yes. I know somebody else that did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had, you know, we should write a book. Anyway, yeah. oh uh, he, uh, he went to work with his dad hauling coal out of a truck. And shortly thereafter, he said, you know, this isn't for me. And he started getting involved with neighborhood toughs. And usually how, how these people uh, evolve, they go from petty crime. His thing was looting uh, the change out of phone booths. You recall phone booths, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe somebody, some people listening to us never heard of a phone booth. By the way, how many existing phone booths do you think are in Manhattan today? Not many. Right now? Probably yeah, none. A number. None. One. There's one single phone booth? Where is it at? 96th Street and Broadway. Wow. Why did they keep that particular one? Yeah, why just I don't know. That one probably doesn't work. (laughs) 
Now, anyway, now that's, that's there, what he would there'll do. be a mob of people up there tonight tapping that phone booth. Yeah, I right. want to take pictures. It's the last one. Uh, but he would he would uh, steal change. He would you know petty crimes. He was a kid, right? And uh, he, he came to the attention of uh, of of the mob, and he slowly worked his way in. He considered himself a, a, a ladies' man. If you saw pictures of him in his youth, and they're all over the. Well, internet. he was a ladies' man. Yeah, he he, would, he, he, he had gumaris even on Sutton Place. Yeah, he he was a good-looking guy. Right. Dressed, he, he prided himself on dressing extremely well, and he was vicious enough. Where uh, he he uh, came to the top of the heap when it comes to looking for for new guys. Well, his and brother Salvatore introduced him to the Columbos. when oh, the Columbus were the Pafachis. Yeah, yeah. And that was his older brother brought him in. Yeah, his older brother brought him in, and uh, uh, and soon he got involved. Uh, doing what you do and he was asked to do a hit as a lot of these uh associates are which he did i believe he was 20 21 years old and he was uh and he you know made his bones as they say we, right. when he, he killed this guy and he was a made guy at 25 which is young yeah mm. for this. and now he's got cash in his pocket he uh he meets and marries connie how come all italian women around that time were named connie <laughs> I thought his wife was Linda. No, Connie. Never married. Well, his Linda. first wife was I'll, I'll, I'll was Linda, or was uh, Connie. Uh, yeah, his his wife was Connie. They had four kids, but still, he was playing around. He had a lot of girlfriends, and one day, now he's thirty four years old when he meets Linda, who we will call Big Linda. Okay. Because they had a daughter, and then she was Linda. known as Little Linda. Who? Well, that, that, that was brilliant. How'd they come up with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy's a sharp. Anyway, Big Linda, at the time they met, was seventeen. And Whoa. Greg, Greg Scarborough was 34. and uh, Sounds like me and Marilyn on, in the reverse. Yeah. He <laughs> set her up. Uh, they subsequently had uh, two kids, a boy and a girl. Little Linda was the uh, apple of his eye. He was uh, very much involved with his daughter. He was a good father, uh, as a lot of these guys are. And then they, they go out and they do nasty things. Right. But uh, that was basically his family life he had two families they each uh knew about each other and they accepted it well that went on for so many many years no till he died i still i think it still goes on well i mean where guys oh, oh, have oh, yeah, yeah. No. two or three wives uh, two or three mothers to their kids maybe not wives but mothers and gumaris because he never divorced and, connie did he no and a lot of guys don't. he just had both you're, you're, yeah. you're an himself. italian catholic besides that back then particularly the mob Frowned on divorce. Do they still do that, Johnny? Right. Frowned on divorce. It's amazing. Mm. A lot of do mob they? guys, my major, major guys, never left their wives and had their girlfriends, and it was accepted. In Sicily, it was really accepted. They used to let, once it was known who Yagumati was, your wife would accept and she'd stay in another room. Do you believe that? That's it, so bizarre. In the same house. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this, though. Is divorce still taboo in, in the mob as it was back then i don't know i don't think there's anything held sacred in the mob anymore yeah i don't think yeah, so right. things they used to be well, yeah. asked, but, uh so anyway he had uh, separate families lived in the same neighborhood F four kids with his wife two kids with his uh with his goo as we say hmm. and uh life goes on but this guy was an indiscriminate killer uh he 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 was the, the mob. He believed in it, heart and soul, and whatever he was told to do, he did. Whatever was 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 good for the family, he did. There was one incident uh, after uh, Alphonse Persico went Hello. to prison. He's upstate, and uh, he was uh, fearful that his uh, his girlfriend at the time, her name was Mary Berry. Uh, I saw pictures of her online. Beautiful. I mean, really stunning. Uh, she was kept on the side. I wonder if that uh, was the girl that Jimmy Khan introduced me to in, when we were doing The Godfather. Very Junior, striking brunette. Ju, uh, she was, and Junior was still out. I bet you okay. that was the girl he set me up with, this rat, and saying it was his daughter. Well, hmm. I, 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 I can see you being impressed with her when you saw her. I mean, stunning, stunningly yeah. beautiful. And, anyway, and very, I'm, very I'm, petite, I'm, very petite little girl. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Alphonse Persico is in prison. Is concerned that his uh, his his uh, his girlfriend may talk if approached by the FBI. 
And uh, uh, Greg said, I'll take care of this. And under the ruse of getting a job as a waitress in a bar, and the way they described it is she got dressed up really nice because she thought she was going for an interview mm-hmm. or, uh, or being, being the manager of the bar. She walks into the place and she just walks in. Greg gets up, knocks her to the ground physically, puts a gun to her head and kills her. And witnesses? Front of witnesses. Was it 86th Street, the 19th Hall? The 19th Hall? Yeah. They didn't say, I, I, I know the 19th Hall. Yeah, well, I, I, they I, control I that. Yeah, I don't think so. No, okay. I think it was just, just some other bar in front of witnesses, but the bar was a mob bar. And even right. if there wasn't some stranger walking off the street because he was thirsty, you know, he wasn't going to say anything. Wow. I mean, uh, Scarpa was feared by uh, not only his enemies, but his friends. Well, yeah, that's why they're called the Grim Reaper. Hello. Yeah. Amen. Well, those uh, kind of guys, I mean, it, you know, it's so strange because uh, when you once you brought it up, I met him with two other, I mean, I can mention their names now. One was my best man at my first wedding and uh, talk about psychopaths and just loyal to Cosa Nostra were the Bellotti brothers. And it's ironic because Tommy and Joey Bellotti, Joey was the marksman, and after they uh, killed Tommy with Paul Castellano in front of Sparks, they called Joey in. And said, now, are we going to have a problem with you? Because we are with Kay right now. <laughs> well, at least they're up front. Well, they were, yeah, they wanted to clean <laughs> it up now. It. They wanted to clean it up now. <laughs> yeah, but the interesting thing is, as, as I was reflecting on you, what you sent me today in the notes preparing for the show, it was Tommy Bellotti who called me on that June 71st to tell me not to be on the dais at the at the Columbus Circle. Oh, oh yeah, when the when the Columbo got shot. When Columbo got shot. Mm. So now when all that came out, Greg is at the height of his maniac career. Oh yeah, he did. He thought he he can get away with everything. Did you uh, are you are you familiar with the car service story? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, for our audience. Uh, no, t- tell our audience though. Okay, uh, uh, Greg, uh, as I mentioned, had a, had a daughter who was, who was known as Little Linda, not to be confused with her mom, who was Big Linda. Was, uh, she was Greg's favorite, and uh, she, was, she was daddy's little girl. Also quite attractive. Anyway, just to be on the safe side, uh, uh, Greg Scarpa would have a car service, drive L- Little Linda to school every day, and pick her up, because you never know. You know somebody's pissed off at you, though kidnap the kid right so one day the uh the car service comes she gets in and the driver drives her to a secluded location and attempts to sexually assault her she's 16 years old at the time so oh my god she she thinks fast and she said you know this is very uncomfortable and why don't we meet after school because if i don't show up in school you know it's people are going to notice i'm not there there could be a problem so this driver says Okay, so he, he stops what he's doing. He drives her to school. Uh, she calls up her father, and her father sends out a couple of guys to uh, pick him up when she, he was supposed to pick up little Linda. And they bring him now to an undisclosed location and beat him so badly that he was in the hospital for a week. That's really all? They left him live? However, huh? They didn't castrate him? I'm getting, I'm getting to that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh I'm sorry. Uh, uh, apparently... Uh, they were confused as to what their orders were because Greg was pissed that they didn't go far enough. So he waited till the guy got out of the hospital, waited for him to feel a little better, and then walked up to him one day in his car uh, in, on uh, 86th Street in the car service car, stuck a gun in there and said, uh, I'm Linda's dad, and he killed him. Took him out. Shot him wow. in the car. No, finish, I, I don't blame him. Job. I don't care. In front of, in, once again, in front of in front of witnesses. Well, Eighty Sixth Street, man. You know that. Yeah. Hello, Eighty Sixth Street. They could do anything on Eighty Street. I used to go to Alley Boys on Eighty Sixth Street. In fact, Boozy DiCicco had a club there for years. A, a yeah, it's still. Uh, it's it's not all Italian anymore, is it? Uh, no, I think uh, the Albanians and everybody took that that street over. Yeah, that was a really nice neighborhood. There never any trouble there. No. <laughs> hello. Know? Yeah. Hello. No. It's like Mulberry Street. You can leave the keys in your car, your house unlocked, 
and you're, you're first born on the porch. Nobody touch anything, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Uh, but of course, like everything Different else, times. those days are gone. But he anyway, Greg, Greg has everything going for him. He's powerful, he's feared, and he's rich. But he's not that bright. So mm-hmm. he orders the hijacking of a truck. That was something else. I was with these guys. They love to hijack trucks. So Gotti was the same way. Oh, really? Uh, that's how he came up. But anyway, they, they, they uh, hijack a truck. And he puts the booze from the truck in his garage, his oh own garage, where, where he lives. And somebody, somebody that didn't like him, tipped off the cops. They came and they arrested him. So he's not looking at that much time, you know. And it was, uh, for some reason, uh, the FBI comes down and just as a matter of form, because they ask everybody this, mm-hmm. they wanted him to flip and be an informant. They expected a resounding no. But he took the deal. That that I can't understand. I mean, to me, again, he, I mean, here's a guy that's supposed to be loyal, and this is long before people were flipping. He Nobody had to, flipped. He was the first. He had to be before Valachi and all of them. The first guy to flip. I wonder why he never got the notoriety for that. Because Henry Hill, well, he all did. these other he guys. At, at the end of his life, uh, we'll get into that. It it, uh, it came out when uh, Lindo Vecchio, the FBI agent, got indicted. You know, chronologically, we will get to that later. But uh, even the FBI was amazed. They said, you know, say again. You know, they he agreed to flip over the course of his association with the FBI. He was paid one hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. Now, this is not a lot of money over the course of twenty years, of course. Right. Uh, but his attitude was that while the FBI was using him, he was using the FBI too because he got away with everything. Well, not only that, you know, the rumor on the street just against certain families in New York, felt that Joe Colombo had a connection with the FBI. Really? And it wasn't. It was him. Ah, okay. Oh. It wasn't Joe. Okay. And that was a rumor. That was a a pretty heavy rumor because when he started picketing the FBI after his son got arrested, nobody could understand is the publicity that he's getting, they're not touching him, or is this a facade? And through two families that I knew of at that time, we're starting to second guess this. But I, I don't, I don't blame you know paranoid as they are anyway. Yeah, you know they're naturally they're going to think of this. But uh, so he becomes uh, an informant and met with the FBI. Uh, this this uh, one agent, his name is uh, Shira, for years, uh, and then uh, Shira uh, retires, and they pass him over to Lindell Vecchio. Now, at this point, Scarpa has a disagreement with the FBI about payment. He wasn't getting paid enough. So he leaves as an informant, which you really can't do. But what, what's the FBI going to do? Yeah. So they just left him alone. Five years later, he comes back and reestablishes contact with the FBI and reestablishes contact with uh, Lindo Vecchio, who carried this is in the 80s. And he carries 1984, I think. And he carries him through till the end. I think he died in 1994. But herein, herein lies the problem. The F, you know, these guys, if, you, if you're an FBI agent or a, or a police officer, whatever you are, and you're a handler, and you're handling uh, informants, you have the same informants for your entire career. The FBI is the only agency where you get an informant, the only federal agency where you get an informant, and he stays with you for your entire career. This breeds familiarity. This is a bad thing. Yeah. You, you start to feel for the guy. You start to feel he's part of your family. Del Vecchio used to have uh, dinners at Scarpa's house, and they were friends, and they used to go out. The CIA, wow. conversely, switches handlers often. They, 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 they pass off their informants constantly because of that reason. Familiarity breeds contempt, breeds familiarity. Uh, you know, you, 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 you start to think that you don't want to hurt your informant because now he's a friend of yours. He's giving you things. Well, I, I, it was you know, said but not proved that Del Vecchio took a lot of cash, jewelry, vacations, etc. But with that said, I think the best way that was portrayed was in Donnie Brasco. When um, the the main character with Pacino, uh, what was his name? Uh, Big actor. Who played him? You talk about Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. They became like father and son. (laughs) Yeah, you, you can't do that. It's it's it just goes again, and the FBI still doing that. 
And you, you figured they would have learned with Scarpa, they would have learned with Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Compromised yeah. the whole Boston office of the FBI. This yeah. did the same thing that, that uh, Scarpa did. You know, uh, Scarpa, you know, these people aren't educated, but they're smart. They know, you know, take a meal. Uh, hey, your, your daughter's birthday's coming up. Oh, by the way, there's something else that got Del Vecchio in trouble. We started the landslide uh, uh, on him uh, uh, about all these crimes that Del Vecchio was committing. He accepted a Cabbage Patch doll from Oh, Scarpa. yeah, yeah. I remember those dolls were rare. Huh. And they controlled them all. They stole them all. The, what, yeah, because what? they were so in demand? Yep. Wow. Oh, you couldn't get a Cabbage Patch doll. This was in the 80s. And so all nuts it was, they was like a Raggedy Ann type of doll. I mean, it was... Yeah. I can picture anything. exactly what they look yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, these things were being held for ransom. And it was like a, a, a $10 item. Oh, my god! You could find one for a couple of hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. It was really that serious? Well, and the mob, oh, is, that, yeah. the mob so is that ridiculous. I remember. I got one for my daughter, Gia. No, my God. I had to get her one. And she I was reached 36 out. at the time. I mean, yeah, yeah. come on. <laughs> I reached wow. out but, for it. And I, you know, yeah. but somebody yeah, but, gave me a couple but, of them then said, you know, I didn't know what that But the point is, was this agent... So I'm going to use the word allegedly. Was he so allegedly greedy that he's going to, you know, he could compromise himself over a freaking doll? I don't understand. It's it. amazing. But anyway, uh, uh, they had a, a very, very close relationship. And it said that not only did this FBI agent give him confidential information, but finger informants. Oh, wow. All unproven. It's all allegations. Oh, you're kidding. Now, he got, he, yeah. Well, he got indicted. Uh, but we'll, you know, talk about that toward the end. Uh, uh, but uh, but what, let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm I'm thinking like our audience is listening to us. So when he got the name of informants, did he take them out then, just because? Yeah, yeah. The FBI said that. Wow. Yeah. Well, somebody they found out somehow. Well, that's what I'm saying. So he probably yeah, yeah. killed a lot of innocent people just because Delvecchio didn't like them. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'm sure the informants were really informants. I mean, it, 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 if I, I put myself in a, in a law enforcement position as a police officer and I have such a relationship with uh, uh, a, a guy in organized crime and I'm going to give up a name that's an informant, I'm going to make damn sure it's an informant, mm. uh, not somebody who took my parking space and I'm pissed off. You know, I mean, uh, so whatever he did, he's got to live with himself, if he did it. Right. You know, but... Then, then you'll be uh, more familiar, I think, with, uh, with, with the uh, next subject. Persico goes to jail. Yeah, I know. And uh, a guy named uh, Victor Arino decides he's going to take over. Was his first name Victor? Um, Unless, I, I don't know. I know I know Arino, but he had a street okay. name. What was his name? Uh, he had a... See, I, I understand my position in life. After 71, I didn't want to hear Columbo's name. I was not well, around for it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> For a long time. But uh, Scarpa was a diehard Persico loyalist. I know. Arena tries to take over Persico's position. Persico gets pissed off and unleashes Scarpa, who started a war that lasted quite a few years. Yep, yep. There were, there were Arena loyalists and Persico loyalists, and this is an inter-family battle. They weren't right. fighting anybody else but themselves. And the interesting thing about um, those that family history, Colombo got that family because he went to Carlo Gambino and told them what Profacci and Bonanno were up to. What were they up to? Drugs. Oh. Which was the no-no on the street. So hmm. Colombo ratted. Yep. Really. And that's how he got the family. That's that, if you look at mob history, the Colombo family is the Papacci family, and even even Crazy Joe Gallo, he was with the Papacci's at first. Did you know after this is said and done, uh, Colombo goes to uh, Carlo Gambino and reports this? What kind of reputation did Colombo have by uh, by Carlo Gambino and, and the rest of the Gambinos? As a whole, he just ratted somebody out, whether it was to their benefit or not. Did they look at this guy as a say loyal he can't guy? Be trusted? Well, I'm sure they kept an eye on him, but the bottom yeah. line, you know, the one thing I found all through these years, if it comes to money and their benefit, they'll turn a blind eye, as they say, and watch okay. him. What's he bringing in? What was he earning at that time? 
Because Joe Colombo, you know, had a very, very lucrative real estate business. Legitimate. What did he own? A, 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 he actually had a real estate office, selling buildings, buying stuff. And, so, really? Yeah. Hmm. Real estate has always been a clean way of investing mob money. I mean, uh, the best two guys that I know who did that was Frank Costello and, and uh, Joe Kennedy. I mean, Frank Costello bought 11 Wall Street. And you know what that is? I mean, that building- It's like a tall building, as I recall. Yeah, hello. <laughs> and he owned it with some you know, fictitious uh, real estate company. They were never looking at that. They were looking at the drugs. They were looking at the racket money. But to get into clean business like land and buildings, and you had a lawyer front, my client wants to buy this, they do it in escrow. You want to sell something, they want to buy it. They're not looking at mob. And they well, always, they always well, had a great tuition. Uh, uh, Paul Castellano, same thing. Well, Paul the, the was in the legitimate chicken. He owned the chicken business forever. Then he, then he created Western Meats. That yeah. is, his grandchildren are still running. It's huge. It's huge. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, the, 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 the war rages on. There was a couple of innocents killed. I remember, I, I didn't read this in my research, but uh, uh, there was an, a, a guy working in a pizza place that they, a kid, 17, 18 years old, that they pegged as an arena loyalist and they went in and just blew him away. It had nothing to do with anything. Well, you know. well they're just sending messages. Yeah, exactly. You know, That's all they, they used to do. If you were think. an arena, mm-hmm. had anything to do with an arena, you were gone. That's it. And they they, 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 they they pegged this kid wrong. But oh, yikes. Uh, uh, as, as mean and nasty as this guy was, 1964, he gets a call, not from J. Edgar Hoover, but on J. Edgar Hoover's behest, and they have a problem. Their problem is a very high-profile case. Three civil rights workers, Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman, two white guys, and Cheney was the black guy. Well, that's when they went down south. Yeah. Went to Queens College. My sister, I had a twin sister, was dating, uh, and for a while, too, either Goodman or Schwerner. I forget who it was. It was a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, a long-standing relationship. She was supposed to go with them on a what they called back then uh, freedom marches. Uh, and they went down there to get uh, the right to vote for black people in Mississippi in 1964. Would you think that this might be a little bit hazardous? Hello. Yeah, right. Anyway, she elected, and my sister was no dope, so she elected not to go. But they went, they lasted, I think, three days, and they vanish. Uh, so the FBI gets involved. They, they're assuming that they were uh, kidnapped and it was a, a federal crime and the FBI can get involved. There was so much heat on J. Edgar Hoover to solve this crime. And they figured, who are they dealing with? A, a bunch of rednecks in Mississippi. In 1964, you're not dealing with master criminals here. They'll solve this case in a couple of days. Hoover will get the accolades, and that'll be the end of it. Well, they were down there for months, and they could not not only find out who who got rid of these kids. Oh, those rednecks have closed their mouths, man. Forget the Eastern guys. Yeah, but they couldn't find the bodies. They couldn't find anything. So some bright FBI agent said, let's call Greg Scarpa. He's a mafia guy. To go down there and solve this crime of the century. That's so he crazy. Goes da- he goes down there. He's there for a day. And uh, there was a, a, a rumor that a guy who owned a, uh, a TV store uh, was involved, or at least was involved with the Klan. And if, you know, he would probably have some information. So uh, Scarper goes into the store under the guise of buying a television, and uh, the owner helps him take the TV out to his truck. And once he got out there, Scarpa kidnaps him and takes him to a uh, cabin in the woods that was secured by the FBI. The FBI told him, this place is yours. Do what you have to do. And uh, Scarpa started beating him, pistol whipping him. The guy wouldn't say a word. Scarpa pulls out a straight razor, pulls down his pants, and said, you're going to tell me now I'm castrating you. Well, he told them where the bodies were, how to get there, wrote them directions, and they got the they recovered the bodies, and the rest is history. Uh, everybody started talking, and people went to prison, all because of Gregory Scarper. Now Scarper now not only thinks he's untouchable, he is untouchable. Yeah. Well, if you got Hoover connecting to you, yeah. Right? Well, Hoover, as you you and I know, and anybody who's into 
mob history uh, knows that uh, Hoover's hands weren't that clean himself. Oh my God, no. Yeah, I mean, he was a degenerate gambler and a whole bunch of other things, and he he, well, uh, he liked to wear stylish women's clothing. Oh yeah, well, but Hoover, which is interesting because uh, my, my history with Walter Winchell started really early on in my 12, 13, 14 years of age. And I couldn't understand it until I started, when I did the movie Lepke, Walter Winchell was the conduit for Lewis Bookhalter and organized crime. And he was the conduit for J. Edgar Hoover for Frank Costello. Frank Costello took all his bets and he never talked to him. Obviously, he just couldn't call the FBI building and talk to him. So it was Walter Winchell. They used I'm sorry. They used to meet at uh, at the Copa, right? Of course. The Copa yeah. and everywhere else. And that's why a lot of times when I'd go with an envelope to, to the Barbizon school, they just wanted, they'd call them flowers for the table because they were all married guys. They'd say, we got to, we'll go pick up some flowers for the table. I knew where I had to go. <laughs> and then they'd tell me where to bring them. Bring them to the Latin Quarter, bring them to, you know, uh, Toot Shores, 21 Club they like. All high-end places, and all the girls wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about Grace Kelly, Audrey Hepburn, not just girls. <laughs> not any girls. <laughs> not any girls. But uh, it was interesting to see how the government and the mob was been connected for so many years. I mean, I, I, we can go on and on and on about that. But you know, I, I can understand. You know, it's it's a well-known fact that uh, the CIA and the mafia were in league to kill Castro. I can get that. It's a, it's, a, right. it's a threat to the United States. It's offshore, you know, so, uh, you know. And but even before that, before that, which you're, which you're missing and you were a part of it, before that, this, the, the Second World War in 1940, in January 1941, rather, they commissioned Luciano. And Luciano was doing time in prison because a hundred ships was sunk offshore by Russian subs. And Luciano, lucky Luciano, ran the docks. And Lu Luciano ran the docks from prison with my godfather, Tony Anastasia. Oh, my gosh. So that's another what? time that they went, and Maya Lansky got involved with it because they didn't want all vowels at the end of the names. Well, you know, but the, you, you can, you, can uh, you know, if it's a stretch, you can say, well, that's World War Two. You know, you do anything you possibly can do. But to send a guy down to torture somebody to solve uh, uh, a, uh, a, a a kidnapping case, you know these guys are entrenched with the government. You know, oh, yeah. and how Hoover can trust a guy like this or people that he worked with to keep their mouths shut. And they did for years. Nobody no, said No, but the bottom line is I'm, I'm familiar with the Kennedy assassination like most of our audience knows. The CIA and the federal government took out 68 more people right after Kennedy assassination. Anybody that knew anything, anybody that could come back to them and say something. I mean, it's, it's, that's how they work. It's like, it's, you know, we talk I, about it, Russia. Just, we talk know, about people listening to this now that weren't uh, of a certain age or, or aren't uh, privy to history will find this shocking. Yeah, I know. The, the, the then versus now. Uh, but so so Scarpa has a free reign. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do. He could do it before and certainly now after he he helped the FBI. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it. So he's starting to do do his thing. And he, he always had he had stomach problems through a large portion of his life, but nothing out of the ordinary where uh, it couldn't be fixed by an aspirin or two, uh, you know, but. He used to carry around a jar of aspirins and eat them like penny candy. Oh, my God. And for uh -huh. years he did this. That must have ate uh, the walls of his stomach. That's, exa Almost. that's exactly what happened. Uh, he, he winds up, uh, in, it was in the late 80s, uh, he winds up being rushed to the hospital. He's got intensive bleeding in his stomach from aspirin. That's a side effect of taking one or two too many. This guy's eating, eating it uh, by the jaw full. Oh. He's in the hospital for quite a while. Uh, they needed, he was, he was bleeding internally. So they told him you're going to need transfusion. So he insists that, uh, he gets blood that is known to him. He didn't want to have black blood flowing through his body. So, uh, he, he said that cause he, you don't know where the blood. I guess it was from. those three days he spent down South. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? But he didn't, you know, obviously a very racist guy. 
He so didn't he want said, the blood from the hospital. People are going to give me blood. I want to pick them just as long as they're my type. So it, it, uh, it took a little while. And he gets uh, blood from associates, made guys, whoever was in his inner circle or somebody else's inner circle that they could trust. One of these guys was a bodybuilder. And oh, this was steroids. just at the inception of the AIDS epidemic in the, in the, the uh, mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And this bodybuilder was taking steroids, uh, steroid injections. He used a dirty needle. He gets AIDS. Oh, my God. He didn't know he had AIDS. Uh, they weren't testing for AIDS at the time, and he gives AIDS, he gives uh, uh, HIV to Greg Scarpa. Oh, my God. So uh, that's ironic. He didn't want, want black well, we blood. We can't say he didn't white deserve it. Gets AIDS, yeah, right? You know? He got uh, So he, he knew he was sick uh, because they, they told him, you know, this is a new disease that's coming out. But then it was, a, 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 unlike today, uh, HIV is a death sentence because you're going to get AIDS and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Uh, not, not so much now; it's it's way under control. Well, did they disclose uh, it as AIDS then? No, they probably yeah, yeah. They they knew what it was. Oh, they do. Well, oh. Yeah, they, they they knew when you get the infection, it's HIV, and when it it, it gets full blown, it's AIDS. And yeah. they, they knew he had it, and back then it was a death sentence, so he knew he was going to die. He winds up suing the hospital. Uh, oh, I remember he got three hundred thousand dollars settlement. Oh no, three fifty. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I remember that. I could not what believe. What do for you? I said, but I could not believe his guy dying, and he's a mob guy, and he sues and he wins. He got not only that, he did he did interviews oh, with, with the press. He did a sixty minutes interview. He did all kinds of interviews talking about uh, AIDS and, and how he he, he caught it and shouldn't have gotten it. I tell you, he this guy was a big strapping guy. I mean, if you saw pictures of him in his prime, but he was as a we tall get, guy. Well over 200 pounds, beefy, muscular. He died, getting a little ahead of it, but since we're on the AIDS subject, he dies in 1994. He weighed 56 pounds. But are you ready for this, though? The one thing as we leave, because we're running out of time, we want to go to the mailbox, the mailbag. The one thing I remember, and correct me, Pat, if, if I'm wrong, he goes on a hit with somebody that was it was a, a, a family social thing. He went, I think, with his son. Yeah. And he wound up getting shot in the eye. Drug, it was drug dealer, some sort of thing yeah. that went wrong with his son, and he went back. and He went back, and he got shot in the eye. He went home, refused treatment, and all he was doing is washing his eye out with scotch. How strong is oh. this guy? What, this is when he a knew the end was near. But still, you say, I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to wind up in a hospital. Let me go take care of this little bullet I got in my head. Yeah. No, he did. He poured whiskey in his eye. I think we anyway, should end on that note. That's a strong note. <laughs> uh, just, just one last thing. I was contacted by Little Linda about four years ago to do uh, a book with the theme of her relationship with her father. So I, I talked to her extensively. A nice lady, by the way. Very soft-spoken. Very nice. Uh, but my research, I, I thought there was too much written about him. And I, I felt that this, this book wouldn't do well, so I turned it down. It was eventually written. Mm. Wow. Uh, published by uh, Pinnacle Books. And I was right. It didn't do well because mm. there's just too much out there on this guy. But uh, anyway, quite a guy. Quite a guy. Definitely. Well, again, another topic. Life. I love it. And, and remember, any cards and letters, any questions, please send them to my little girl over here, Megan. <laughs> she, she answers all the mail for us. That's me. And in fact, <laughs> we're going to go to the mailbag now and answer some questions. Please keep it all coming because you're going to hear your name on the radio eventually. Mm-hmm. All right, so first I want to share a comment from Tom. Tom says, for Gianni, just finished your book. Absolutely fantastic. Our yes. book. Pat's included. <laughs> I <course>. was there. <laughs> All right, and he says, your podcast hits home runs every episode. I'm writing to you from the great white north, Alberta, Canada. I'm telling everybody I know up here about you and your book and podcast. Keep it coming. Great stuff. Oh, great. Thank Very you. Very nice, Thank right? You. So the next comment I want to share is from Lee. We got this around the holidays um, for me. Lee says, I just started listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for helping produce it. I also ordered two books for Christmas gifts. Keep up the great work and happy holidays. Oh, thank you, Lee. I'm sure there were a lot of book Christmas gifts out there. Well, we did. I I forgot the number. I I know I did 5,000 books in one week. Oh, my God. In Milwaukee alone. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. All right, next one is from Parikh for Gianni. 
Park says, I would like to know if you tried to attend Marilyn Monroe's funeral. I read that when Joe DiMaggio organized it, he was very selective about who would attend. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. I would never attend because I would have killed Joe. I was still nuts in those mm. days. Joe could have prevented her death, but we, that's another show. Mm-hmm. No, I did not attend. <laughs> All right, next one is from Sean. Sean says, you touched on the JFK assassination previously, but I'm curious on your knowledge of Jack Ruby's involvement and your knowledge of his involvement in the cover-up slash cleanup of the hit. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts was Jack Ruby was with Chicago, running stuff in Dallas, Houston, all these strip clubs. They convinced Jack to kill Lee Harvey Oswald. They would arrange for him to get there in the transfer, and he'd become a hero. That's how nuts he was. Wow. And they kill, you know, it, the only one that benefited by Lee Harvey Oswald being assassinated that day was Carlos Basalas because he was the one who hired him. Hmm. No, I mean, that, that's why you start getting into this stuff. And as it, just the wheel keeps turning and seeing how much involvement the FBI, the CIA, they're the masterminds. They're the puppeteers of all of this. And it worked. Continue work. It's amazing. Hmm. All right. Next one is from George. George says, I heard Gianni say he will be at Falls View Casino on March 7th in Niagara Falls. Is that a motion, motivational speaking engagement? Can you provide further details on this? What's his name? George. George, if you don't show up, I'm going to be there, pal. I want you there. March 7th, Falls View Casino. I've taken our book, Hollywood Godfather, to basically, it's a 75-minute song, film clips, Everything you read in the book, you're going to see on stage for 75 minutes. Performed by you. Performed by me, and clips of everything from the Kennedys to the Rat Pack, and spread the word. It's on March 7th at the Falls View Casino on a Saturday night. I okay, would... tell us about tell us about February 9th when you're on the subject. Oh, Feb- yeah, yeah that Feb- as well. Well, February 9th, I'm at the um, a place called the Rosalind Hotel. It's called my father's place. You can go on their website. That's a Sunday afternoon. And I may make that my little thing because I love going to Long Island. I have nothing to do on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> After I go to church, I'm going to be doing shows. This is another show. It's very, it is the same show. I mean, I'm going to be doing it a lot. But thank you for bringing it up. I appreciate yeah. it. Okay. All right. Next one is from Lisa. Lisa says, aside from Carlo, who is your favorite character you've ever played? I actually enjoyed playing Albert Anastasia with Tony Curtis, who played Louis Bacalta. Mm-hmm. And, and Lepke, right? And Lepke. And I, I played, uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, Albert Anastasia, who was the head of the waterfront, he became my godfather for confirmation. And his brother was Albert Anastasia, who created Murder Incorporated. It's like, That's quite a family tree you got there. I yeah, know, right? It's like crazy. <laughs> All right, next one is from Dom for both Gianni and Pat. Dom says, coming from different backgrounds, what are both your takes on Jeffrey Epstein? He was killed. Uh, no, I pervert. disagree with that. I'll say he committed suicide. It was just very sloppy security. That's my take on it. Hmm, okay. well, you really did? You think he committed suicide? Oh, absolutely. He had one attempt two weeks before that, and they take him off a suicide watch because his, the, his lawyer asked him to, and he didn't even have a, a cellmate. No, it was... Uh, I saw pictures. In fact, it was on 60 Minutes two weeks ago. Pictures of his cell, and he left a note. Didn't didn't refer to the suicide, but it was a rambling note. And uh, it was it was just very bad security. And in fact, two uh, correctional officers got arrested. Well, I you know I, I, I'm going to say this. I've had uh, friends and family in MCC. Yeah. There's not a camera. You can, there's not a corner you can't be seen in. I know. So there's yeah. something wrong here. Hmm. Well, no, well, it's, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. So am I. But oh, no, no, I understand really that. I understand that. To say one way or the other, but that based based on the condition of, of the body, uh, they have to have a, a rule. Well, there's, there's two rules, three. Suicide, homicide, or undetermined. So the uh, New York uh, coroner determined suicide, and they're just not going to say that. You know, uh, if there's right. a homicide there, they go on who did it, I think, but. Like I said, I wasn't there, you know. No, but I just think there was too many people that I'm hearing on the streets that were involved with it, that too many names would come out. Mm. Okay. I mean, Bill Clinton was on his flight agenda. Most people don't know. You well, that's a nice picture. Did you see the picture two weeks ago? Oh, yeah, with a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he was a gentleman. On the same manifest. 
Mm. I mean, yeah. I think there's just too much. He was and, good friends with Trump too, right? Yeah, not not yeah. only that. How about look what happened to the royal across the pond? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, that trial would have buried a lot of a lot, a lot, of, people. A lot of people, yeah, people yeah, a lot of that. influential people. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. true. I'm 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 I remember I'm still friends with Chapa Guzman's attorneys out of San Diego, and he was offering those guards. A million dollars, wherever you want it, get me out of here. Because that's all. It's the only way you ever got out of jail. And these guys, I mean, you had a lot of guys thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, there, there were so many fail-safes there. I mean, you couldn't just bribe one guy, right. you know, to get out. Or you have to bribe the governor. He has so much security. Right. Mm. El, El Chapo, what's he doing? Like 16 life sentences or something? Yeah, so stupid. Oh, my that. gosh. He's going to be an old man when he gets out. They should just kill him. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. Jeez. All right, next one is from Mitchell for Patrick. Mitchell says, did law enforcement and the mafia ever collaborate to take down a common enemy? Well, we just spoke, of, spoke of one example. Well, so, son, yes. listen, listen to this show. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's you a very fine listened. line between the mafia and law enforcement. And it's not, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to do with corruption. There was always a certain amount of respect that went back and forth between the mob and, and cops. Do you agree with that, Gianni? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, you don't bother us, we don't bother you, and when, you know, I, we used to go and, and serve warrants and subpoenas or whatever, very polite. You know, what you see in the movies is they spit on the subpoena, they attack the cops, nonsense. They invite them in, right. a search warrant, take your time, would you like some coffee while you're waiting? I mean, very, very polite, very respectful. Hmm. Because right. what's the what what's the upside to being nasty? <laughs> yeah, hello. Not. Yeah. All right. Next one is from Alfred for Gianni. Alfred says, "Inquiring minds want to know, Gianni, what's your favorite place for authentic New York pizza in Manhattan?" Wow, authentic That's New York pizza in Manhattan. Well, I mean, I have to sell selfishly, Johnny and Tony's on Sixtieth and First Avenue. <laughs> I've been eating it for years and years and years. Yeah. And it's amazing pizza. It's been there you know, for It's very hard to categorize what's the best pizza in Manhattan. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good, but uh, 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 Patsy's, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, uptown. But you did your table readings. There. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, Patsy's, that's over with. Them. When they left, it's totally different. People bought the franchises. Well, I'll tell you one place, you know it too, uh, Pat. I think you'd have to agree when it was open on First Avenue, Rocky Lee's. Oh, yeah, yep. That was yep. pizza, man. Vinny yeah. Panetta. In fact, Sinatra used to send the plane for pies. That's how good it was. No, Vinny, wow. That's, a, that's going back into history. It's Rocky like Elvis Lee's. and his peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. Hey, when you like something, you like something. Yeah, you like right? something, right. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this one is from Kimberly for Gianni. Kimberly says, love your podcast. I am obsessed with it. Are you going to be doing any tours for book signing in Canada? Will there ever be a movie about your life or even a Broadway show? I think this would be entertaining. What do you have There's to say about that? Right there. there you go. Well, yeah. why don't you go to Falls View, see the musical already, <laughs> and we can talk about the book. <laughs> and there'll, always, there'll, be always, books, uh, there'll be books at the casino also. Oh, good. So how far is she from uh, Niagara I Falls? I don't know. I don't know either. Come to Niagara Falls. You'll <laughs> love the show. All right, one more, or should we wrap it up? No, let's do one more. All right. Uh, this is one is from Daniel. Daniel says, any stories about the Sin City Strip in Calumet City, Illinois? Not really. No? No, that's... that's. Never even heard of it. Have you, <laughs> have you, Johnny? Well, they used to call it where Mr. Kelly's on Rush Street and all that, if that's what she's referring to. I don't know what they're referring to. If it's today, I don't know anything. Mm. Years ago... I'm not sure. When uh, Hugh Hefner, the Playboy, uh, most people don't realize it started there, and all around Rush Street were great clubs. I saw Mr. Mr. K's, Mr. Kelly's, all those places. Mm -hmm. So if that's what they're talking about, I don't know anything about Sin City. There used to be early on when in the Capone days, there were actually a whole Sin City strip under the city of Chicago. Hmm. All brothels. Really? Which is something I never really researched. But mm. Of course not. No. Yeah, right. I, I don't want to get aged like, like Capone did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or syphilis. Syphilis, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick one. Yeah. 
I guess we'll wrap it up on that one. Well, uh, hold, can let, I let, let's second. do something bright. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can I can I uh, interrupt here for a second? I, yeah. I've you, got 30 seconds of blatant self-promotion here. Oh, Please. go right ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, I've launched a, uh, a detective fiction series. Two oh, books wow. are out. Uh, it features a private investigator who was formerly a New York City police lieutenant. Where do I get these ideas from? I don't know, man. I have no, that's, that's really That's really right creative. <laughs> Maybe yeah, you yeah, should have looked you. in the uh, mirror. One, the first one is called uh, Bloodshot Eyes. That's three words. Bloodshot Eyes. And the second one is called Pop Line. Uh, they are standalone books. You don't have to read the both of them. You don't have to read them in order. But there is a uh, progression in this guy's career. And the reason I did these books was uh, I read a lot of private eye novels for obvious reasons, and it always aggravated me that none of them were really true to form, what these guys really do, wrapped up in a story that's engrossing and thrilling. So I decided to write a, a, a PI series with what a real PI does, and of course uh, fictionalize it and make a story out of it. But what you're going to read here is what we actually do, how we get information. You know, so wh wh that lot, where are they available? Are. Bloodshot Eyes and Popline, available on Amazon. Thank well, you very Amazon. much. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Sounds congratulations. Good. Thanks Thank for you, keeping sir. that a secret, partner. <laughs> yeah. Not not anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I it's guess not. All right, well, everyone that's listening, thank you. Please tell your friends. Spread the word. We don't want to go anywhere. We want to expand our audience. You have to subscribe, please. Send your cards and letters and anything else you want. Thank you for listening, Pat. Thank you for being a part of it. Obviously, Megan. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. God bless. Good night, guys. To all my friends out there who are in the neighborhood, or I hope it's your neighborhood, I'll be at the Roslyn Hotel in Roslyn, New York, February 9th at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. You got to come for the old-style Italian dinner. It's a show, an offer you can't refuse. So go to their website, which is myfathersplace.com. Make your reservations. This is this February 9th in a couple of weeks on a Sunday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails.